Next month, it will be two years since I first received a cochlear implant. I don't remember anything about the crash that deafened my right ear, but I am reminded that the crash happened every time I put this on. What used to sound so warm and natural and beautiful, birds and music and people's voices, it's all become so tinny and robotic and hollow. I have a good audiologist who's committed to helping me uh, to adjust to the way things I, the way I, I hear things now. But because my audiologist does not have a cochlear implant himself, he can't fully understand my struggle. He's a good audiologist, but he would be a great audiologist if he could only hear what I'm hearing. If he could only hear what I'm hearing, I'm convinced he'd be able to better understand and better help me. In our short passage this morning, Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, in these three verses, which are among my favorite in all of Scripture, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, who is alive, Right now, in body, in heaven, he completely understands the struggles that you and I face today. He completely understands our temptations, our doubts, our fears, our burdens. Jesus completely understands the struggles we face because he faced those struggles himself while he was here on earth. And because of this, he knows exactly how to help us. I'd invite you to follow along as I read. It's a short passage this morning, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. Let's pray together. Father, we are comforted by and we praise you for the fact that your son Jesus not only knows our struggles, but he has also opened the way that we might draw near to receive necessary help. That we might receive help in order to persevere as your people. I pray, Lord, that these truths of your word this morning would stir our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So in Hebrews chapters 1 through 3, the writer of Hebrews has made clear to his original Jewish Christian audience that Jesus is superior to the angels and the prophets and Moses and Joshua and all of those figures, they played important roles in the formation of the people of Israel during the time of the Old Covenant. That's been the point of chapters 1 through 3. But now in chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews begins to, well, what will, be, what will prove to be, he begins a lengthy explanation as to how and why Jesus is superior to the high priest of Israel, Aaron, as well as all the other high priests who came after Aaron. It's uh, probably important that we gain a little understanding of 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 who the high priest was and the role that, that, that accompanied it. According to the regulations of the Old Testament that God gave to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, the high priest was an incredibly important figure. As the supreme religious leader of God's people, the high priest had to be physically whole without any bodily defect, no deafness, and he had to be spiritually holy, upright in all his conduct. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would pass through the temple or tabernacle curtain into the Holy of Holies. And within the Holy of Holies there, he would make atonement for his own sins as well as the sins of the people by taking the blood of a bull and a goat and sprinkling it in front of the mercy seat, which symbolized the throne of God atop the Ark of the Covenant. Also, according to the regulations of the Old Testament, and the Old Covenant, I should say, the role, the office of high priest was hereditary. What this meant was that beginning with Moses' brother Aaron, Every man who was selected by God to serve as the high priest had to come from the tribe of Levi. And this plays into how and why Jesus, our true and lasting high priest, is superior to Aaron because Jesus does not come from the tribe of Levi. In verse 14 of our passage, the writer of Hebrews emphasizes that Jesus is not merely a high priest. He is the great high priest. There are many good universities in the state of Ohio, but there is only one, the Ohio State <laughs> University. <laughs> Jesus is not merely a high priest, he is the great high priest, and the writer of Hebrews explains why in verse 14. Jesus passed through not the earthly curtain of the tabernacle, but the heavenly curtain itself. Jesus has entered into the heavens, which is something only God do. And now, before the actual throne of God, and not just a symbol of the throne of God atop the Ark of the Covenant, before the actual throne of God, Jesus, the Son of God, has sprinkled his own blood, not the blood of a bull and a goat, 
And by doing this, by sprinkling his own blood before the actual throne of God, Jesus has made his believers, his followers, right with God, and not just for the year, not just until the next day of atonement, he has made his believers right with God for all time. The writer of Hebrews ends up driving this home later in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, when he writes this, for by a single offering, Jesus has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Are you a believer of Christ? Are you a believer? Do you believe that Jesus' atoning blood shed on the cross has accomplished for you what you, or any regular high priest for that matter, could, could never have accomplished? Do you believe that Jesus' atoning blood has cleansed you of your sin and made you right with God once and for all and forever. If you simply believe that in your heart and confess that with your mouth, what this passage is saying to us is that Jesus has made you perfect for all time. Jesus has made you perfect and he is making you perfect bit by bit, by bit, by bit. It may not feel like it at times, but Jesus has, by his Holy Spirit, made you a new creation. It may not feel like it at times, but he is maturing you and growing you up into the perfect righteousness that he has already covered you with. It may not feel like it at times. Let's really apply this. Your lustfulness is fading, Christian, bit by bit by bit, because as a new creation, your obedience to God's word is increasing bit by bit by bit. Your gossip and greed is fading bit by bit, because as a new creation, your obedience to God's word is increasing bit by bit. may not feel like it. Your selfishness and self-reliance is fading bit by bit because as a new creation, your obedience to God's word is increasing. It may not feel like it, slow but steady. Jesus, the son of God, is not like Aaron and the other high priests because Jesus has perfected for all time you who are being sanctified. That doesn't make your heart leap. That's good news. Jesus is not merely a high priest, He is the great high priest. And as I said earlier, according to the law of Moses, the high priest could only come from the tribe of Levi, but, but Jesus does not. He comes from the tribe of Judah. And this begs an important question. It's a little embarrassing because now we have to come up with an excuse for God. He clearly made an oversight here. He, he, he made some sort of mistake. 
No, this was on purpose. This was on purpose for a very specific reason and one that applies directly to the Jewish Christians who were the recipients of this letter. The writer of Hebrews explains why in chapter 7, verse 12, and chapter 8, verse 13, why it's important that Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. And he explains in chapter 7, verse 12, this drastic change of priesthood signified that the law had changed. In verse 8, 13, he even goes so far as to say, Jesus has made the first covenant obsolete. The Jewish Christians who were the first to receive this, they were running back to the old covenant. But Jesus is superior to Aaron and all the Levitical high priests because by his own blood, he has ratified a new covenant that is unspeakably superior to the old covenant that Aaron had served under. Jesus has made the first covenant obsolete. In writing this, in, in the fact that the writer of Hebrews writes this so explicitly, this would have made the Jewish Christians head spin. The old covenant law of Moses was all they'd known. It coursed so deeply through their veins that with the whiff of persecution coming at them because of Christ, they're just rich, they're hightailing it back into the old covenant out of habit. But we've already talked about the writer of Hebrews is so confident that he's writing to brothers and sisters in Christ who have received and share in a heavenly calling. He's writing these things confidently knowing that they're going to listen to what he's writing here. They are going to stop retreating back underneath the old covenants and, and the law of Moses. They will, in fact, stay their ground and hold fast under the new covenant in the place where the temple uh, curtain was torn into. This is what uh, the writer of Hebrews is urging us and the Jewish Christians, let us hold fast to this confession, this Jesus let us hold fast to him, the end of verse 14. Let us hold fast to this confession that Jesus, the son of God, has passed through the heavens and there he sits at the right hand of the father making us right with God in a way that Aaron could have only dreamt of. Now, is that it? Is, it? is it just that our great high priest is, you know, he's made propitiation, we've been atoned for, but now he just sits idly by while we await his return? What about the struggles we face right now? What about the temptations and the doubts and the fears and the burdens what about those things that often persuade us to hold loosely to our confession and not tightly? Well, this brings us to verses 15 and 16 where the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus understands our struggles completely and because of this, we can draw near confidently to receive his help. 
If you're a note taker, this will serve as the short two-point outline for the remainder of our time. I know that was a really long intro. Number one, because Jesus understands our struggles completely, number two, we can draw near confidently to receive his help. I'll repeat those as we go. Number one, because Jesus understands our struggles completely, After Jesus died and rose to save us from our sin, he ascended into heaven as only God can, and he did so in our likeness. And so right now, this is an important part of Christology that we need to understand and believe. Right now, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, And he right now possesses a glorified physical body of flesh and blood. I love how theologian Raymond Brown puts this. There is a man in heaven right now and his name is Jesus. And this is really good news that Jesus has maintained our likeness. It's really good news for a future day And it's really good for the present day that we face. Let's think about why it's good news for a future day. And I'll explain what I mean by that. In last week's passage, the writer of Hebrews reminded us that when we close our eyes in death, there will be a day where each of us will go before the judgment seat of God. And we will each have to give an answer for our sinful thoughts words, attitudes, and actions. We will have no excuses to hide behind and we will not want to be left alone to defend ourselves before our holy creator, God. But there is a man, a God-man, who lived his life blamelessly before God. He is a flesh and blood man who overcame the very temptations that you and I fall prey to. He overcame them with perfect obedience. And on that day of judgment, when we each of us are to come face to face with the holy God, when those of us who have put our trust in Jesus right now When we come before the judgment seat of God, do you know what will happen? Jesus will step between us and the holy God and he'll hold out his nail-scarred hands and he will say, Father, this one has been paid for. They have been atoned for. This man, this woman behind me has been cleansed of all his or her sin. My righteousness is their righteousness and I have made them worthy to enter the kingdom I have been preparing. That there is a man named Jesus in heaven who will plead the case of all who trusted in him That's really good news. That's extraordinary good news. We will not want to be left to defend ourselves. And 
that there is a man named Jesus in heaven who continues in our likeness. Fully God, yet fully man. That means that he right now is still able to completely understand our struggles and our weaknesses, what we're facing in this present day. When you are tempted to look lustfully at a woman, your great and sympathetic high priest cries out, and I don't believe this at all to be blasphemous, oh, I remember being tempted with that temptation. But keep your eyes on me as I kept my eyes on my Father. Fix your thoughts on me. You are mine because I have bought you at an excruciating price and you do not have to give in to this. Look away. Fix your thoughts on me. Here's another example of how Jesus can understandably relate with a sister. When you're tempted to gossip about your fellow Christian, your great and sympathetic high priest right now cries, oh, I remember that temptation. But you are not your own. You belong to me. Look at me and let your words be as pure as I am. Family, when any of us is tempted to hoard our earthly treasures and to build a name for ourselves and to build up notoriety for ourselves, our great and sympathetic high priest cries out, I remember that temptation in the wilderness after my baptism. But remember, your citizenship no longer resides on earth. There is nothing here that moth and rust will not destroy. Your citizenship is with me. And because of that, you must seek the things that are above where I am seated. You must set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are here on earth. For when I appear, I am your life. When I appear, you will also appear with me in glory. Do you hear the sympathizing voice of Jesus? Did you know that Jesus, who really is present in heaven, in flesh and blood right now, that he really does sympathize with you right now, right where you're at? Do you know that? Do you understand that? There is no God in any of the world's empty religions like Jesus. There is no God who sympathizes with us like the God-man, Jesus. And he doesn't just sympathize with us, point number one, because Jesus understands our struggles completely. Point number two, we can draw near confidently to receive his help. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Jesus invites us just to run right up to him with no shyness, no intimidation. You don't need to solicit the help of a priest or a pastor before you draw near to him. Some sort of spiritual guru is not needed. You don't need to have all your theological homework finished before you draw near to him. Praise God. You don't need to have your spiritual act together to draw near to him. In fact, the only requirement for drawing near to the throne of grace is that you acknowledge you don't have your spiritual act together and you don't deserve in and of yourself to be able to draw near. It is a throne of grace. It is a throne of unmerited favor. Meaning Jesus welcomes all those who know they don't deserve to be welcomed. This throne of grace is not like the throne of the thrones of earth, the throne of Persia, if you're familiar with the book of Esther. When someone would draw near to King Ahasuerus' throne, they had better be ready to die because if King Ahasuerus even felt inconvenienced, he'd have you killed on the spot. No wonder Esther was so afraid to go before him. But oh, that is not the throne of grace because Jesus himself died in order that we would draw near to him. Morning, noon, and night, and every moment in between, while you wake up and brush your teeth, hopefully you do that, while you sip coffee and commute to work, drawing near to the throne of grace is as simple as Lord, I praise you. I thank you. Forgive me, Lord. Please provide for me, Lord. Please give me your help. That is drawing near to the throne of grace. And we dare not be prayerless, Raymond Brown writes, We dare not be prayerless for it is here that we receive mercy to cover the sins of yesterday and it is also here that we find grace to meet the needs of today. Let us draw near to the throne of grace like this. Here's an example. Jesus, I'm on my way to work or school. And I'm afraid. There are many there who oppose you in your truth and there are many there who hate you. And just as you said would happen, many of my coworkers or fellow students, they hate me because I bear your name and I'm afraid. So please give me courage and fill me with your strength. Jesus not only understands personally our struggles, 
He is on hand, ready to help us persevere in his perfect way at his perfect time. How about this prayer? Jesus, unlike you, yesterday I buckled under the pressures of temptation and I sinned. Please forgive me. Please forgive me and give me your strength to overcome temptation today, please. I trust you. Let us draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If I could find an audiologist who has personally experienced the same struggle that I am currently experiencing, I would not just make a monthly appointment with him. I would not just make a weekly appointment with him. I would make a daily appointment with, moment by moment appointment with him. I just want to be around him. To be encouraged by his sympathizing presence and to seek him for any help that he could give me. And family, what this passage teaches us is that we do have such a great high priest who has personally faced very struggles that we are facing and he by his blood invites us to draw near to his throne of grace for help now and tomorrow and the next day and the next day And while we hold fast to the belief that that way is opened, the curtain is open, we can draw near the throne of grace, that is in fact in God's providence, his act of holding us fast. As we hold fast in our belief, it is him holding us fast and we will endure. Even the gates of hell will not prevail. So let's walk right up and receive what God is ready to give us and for some of you in the room walking right up to receive what Jesus is ready to give you that could just be salvation today you've never really computed never really come to this final relinquishing in your mind of yeah I'm a sinner I'm deserving of eternal separation from God and when I die, I don't want to be gambling that this is all some sort of phony thing. No, 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 no. I'm going to meet with a holy God face to face and I don't want to be standing alone. I want Jesus, the God-man, by my side. Well, then this morning, for you, walking right up to receive what Jesus is ready to give you simply is this. Believe that in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. Why wait? You're not guaranteed 15 minutes from now. And that's not a scare tactic. That's reality, folks. Some of us, we might need to walk right up and receive what Jesus is ready to to give to us in the way of forgiveness. Maybe you've been holding on to the fact that you have absolutely fumbled and failed. And there is just no... No possible way in your mind that you can conceive that you can draw near to the, even you, in all of your wretchedness, 
Jesus is in the business of making wretches righteous. Trust him and receive his forgiveness. Maybe what you need to receive that God's ready to give, that Jesus is ready to give, is strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Gosh, I need that. You feel weary like me. (laughs) I'm tired in my bones and so discouraged by what I see on the headlines. Oh, Lord, in your time and in your way, give me your strength. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Maybe courage is what you need to receive. Compassion for yourself and for your neighbor. Hope, peace. The, the invitation is really the same to all of us. Do you believe that Jesus, the perfect God-man, who lived and died and rose on your behalf, who lives and pleads for you in heaven right now, do you believe that he is the redeemer, your hope of salvation from sin and eternal life? That right there is all the solace that heaven can give right there. Let your hearts be just feasting on that. The wholeness of that, the fullness of that, and the future expectation that soon, very soon, the veil will be lifted. Jesus will descend. We'll see him face to face. We'll see him going like this. Come to me, all you who are weary. I've been giving you rest in, in, in some dosage but now come receive it all. Look at these hands. They purchased that rest for you. We all need to believe that. And I would urge you to do so. Let's pray, and then we'll continue to glory in the person and completed work of Christ. Father, thank you for your word. It is so alive, so Active, so able to divide between spirit and soul, bone and marrow, cutting to the heart. I pray for anyone here this morning who feels the prompting, who senses the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us be humble to confess that we are sinners undeserving of your grace and yet then to receive grace because by definition it can only be received by those who know they don't deserve it. Wow, the good news gets gooder every day. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he not only knows our struggles, but that he has absolutely once and for all opened the way that we might now and forever draw near, receiving what we need from you Stir our hearts in this and help us, Lord, to respond with gratitude-filled worship, gratitude-filled repentance, gratitude-filled celebration, gratitude-filled fellowship. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. In Jesus' name, amen.